Hey, everybody. Welcome to the weekly show where we take a look back and forward at some of the biggest news affecting the sport that we love. Whether it's a broken home run record, a famous player's birth, or a franchise trade, we'll have it all covered. I'm Jeff Lambert, and this is This Week in Baseball History. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's show. I am your host, Jeff Lambert. Boy, it's good to be back with you again for another week. I want to thank you before we start for being a free subscriber or paid subscriber to our newsletter. It means a lot to me that you've taken the time to sign up and be able to become a part of this community. And the show is just one of the many ways I try and say thank you for that extra support. Uh, Just as a quick reminder, if uh, you're really enjoying what's going on between the main show and this bonus show, don't forget there is another tier besides this free email tier that lets you be able to give per month based on um, what you can give. And you get perks that allow you to get more directly involved in the show, being able to pick your own episode once a year, to be able to have your feedback read on specific topics, to be able to just help be a part of the overall future direction of what we're doing here. And that means a lot. So consider that. If you are financially able, obviously just you taking this step means a lot to me. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into this week's most important moments in baseball history. On March 20th, 1934, Mildred Didrikson pitched the first inning for the Philadelphia Athletics in a spring training game against the Dodgers. She gave up one walk, but no hits. Two days later, she pitched again, this time going for just one inning for the St. Louis Cardinals against the Red Sox. She was less successful, giving up four hits and three runs, but she became the second female to play exhibitions for a major league team. The first was Lizzie Murphy, who pitched for an AL All-Star team on August 14, 1922. We did an episode about her. Check the show notes to be able to access that. On March 21, 1978, the San Diego Padres fired manager Alvin Dark and replaced him with pitching coach Roger Craig. Dark was only the second manager in MLB history to be fired during spring training. Phil Cavaretta was the first in 1954 while managing the Cubs. More recently, Tim Johnson got canned during the preseason by the Toronto Blue Jays in 1999, and Joe Kerrigan was let go by the Boston Red Sox in 2002 before opening day. On March 22, 1962, a former player, unnamed former player for the San Francisco Giants, revealed to the media that a home run hit by teammate Bobby Thompson in the 1951 playoffs against the Dodgers was aided by a sign-stealing clubhouse spy. The whistleblower, who maintained his anonymity, also said that the spy had been helping the Giants said midway through the same season. So both Bobby Thompson and the team's manager, Leo Duroche, angrily denied that any help was received, but another source close to the team came out days later to confirm a spy was indeed helping them. On March 23, 1951, the Brooklyn Dodgers signed a 21-year lease with the city of Vero Beach, Florida to host their spring training facilities there. The team, now based in Los Angeles, hosts its spring training games in Phoenix, Arizona now instead. On March 24, 1952, during spring training, Cardinals prospect Bob Slaybaugh was hit in the left eye with a line drive pitch and ended up losing the damaged organ. 
The young pitcher returned to the mound in 1953 and again in 1954 before retiring from professional baseball prematurely. On March 25, 1910, the Chalmers Auto Company of Detroit offered to award a new car to the batting champion of each league. The National Commission accepted the offer, and it was the first time that a private company offered an award for a player receiving an accolade in either the American or National League. On March 26, 1960, Baltimore Chief Lee McPhail moved an Orioles-Reds game scheduled for Havana, Cuba, to Miami. The Reds, who actually had a farm team in Cuba at the time, was excited for that opportunity, but the Orioles ended up moving it back to the States because they feared political unrest in the area. And on March 27, 1986, Major League Baseball's Rules Committee voted to change the designated hitter rule for the World Series, allowing a DH to be used in all games played in an American League club's home park. Since that date, we've seen the DH used in all games in alternating years. And of course, now we have the universal rule. So that concludes the major events that happened in baseball history this week. Let's go ahead and move to our next section, which is the focus story. And that's where we break down something big happening in baseball currently, or we revisit something that happened from one of our major news stories this past week. So in honor of the conclusion of the World Baseball Classic, which has been so much fun to watch, I've really enjoyed uh, just catching as much of this tournament as possible this year. What a way for it to end here with, you know, Otani and Trout facing off against each other for the final pitch. But even the games leading up, it's just been so much fun, and I think it's been great for baseball. But for this focus story this week, I want to revisit the first World Baseball Classic. So the WBC really has been a huge success. It's helped grow the popularity of baseball around the world, and I think it's really reignited a passion for it, even here in the United States. The amount of people I hear talking about this event that normally wouldn't be talking about baseball, I think really shows that baseball can still capture the uh, regular Joe's attention uh, because it's exciting and you you just felt the energy really from this event because the players looked like they wanted to be out there and they were exciting to be able to have that national pride built into it. I just, I, I really enjoyed this uh, past WBC event. So what did things look like at the very first WBC tournament? How was it received? What was the popularity like? So if we're going back in time, the first World Baseball Classic was actually held not too long ago in 2006. And this was the result of a formation uh, between several entities uh, coming together and saying, we want to have a worldwide baseball tournament because the Olympics committee decided to remove baseball as a sport from the Summer Olympics. So this this WBC was a result of wanting to have a world stage tournament for baseball. So in 2006, it was the first one that was held. There were 16 teams that took part. And the teams that were selected to participate in this first tournament, they were picked by the committee based on their baseball prowess. There were no qualifying games that were held like there are now. It was just the, the 16 top projected countries to be able to participate were asked to participate. And the tournament format was also different. It was a round-robin group play in the first and second rounds, and then they had a single elimination semifinals and finals. So in that very first year, we saw 
the very first game that happened. South Korea played Chinese Taipei. It happened on March 3rd, 2006, like I said. And South Korea ended up winning that game 2-0 to kick off the very first game in this tournament. Now, you fast forward, and South Korea did really well that year. They advanced to the semifinals. They had gone 6-0, and but they ended up losing to Japan, who they had beaten twice in earlier rounds in the round-robin section. So South Korea got downed, even though they were the hottest team in the tournament, and Japan ended up going on to the final game. Cuba on the other side defeated the Dominican Republic in the other semifinal. So you had Japan playing against Cuba in the first WBC championship game, and Japan ended up winning 10-6 to to be crowned the very first champion of the World Baseball Classic. So they've actually won it twice up until this year, and of course they won this last year. So this is the third time Japan has now captured a WBC title, and you really have to give the country its credit. They are a legitimate superior force when it comes to this sport and to look at that roster and to see all the young guys that made up that uh that squad it just only shows that japan is going to continue to be a force not only sending players to play in major league baseball but just as a country that represents the future of baseball so it's exciting and i just wanted to take a moment to look back on the very first wbc tournament that was held so that's our focus story for this week We're going to go ahead and move into our current news section. This is where we talk about events that are happening now of interest to the community that uh, I think you should be aware of. So for our first story, we're going to be talking about going back to the World Baseball Classic. It's coming back, folks, in 2026. So Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred has announced that the WBC tournament will come back again in three years The announcement was actually made during a press conference ahead of the tournament's opening game, which happened in Miami. So the event, as we know, it's an international tournament. It's a great chance for countries to come together and compete against each other. Uh, The tournament was last held before this year in 2017. And then the 2021 tournament was postponed due to the coronavirus pandemic. So this one's 2023. And then we'll see 2026 as the next one. Very exciting. Manfred already has been emphasizing the importance of this tournament in promoting and growing the sport globally. He also suggested that the 2026 tournament could feature some changes to the tournament format, including expanding the number of teams or altering the schedule. So the WBC is going to look at being able to make it more financially viable, to make it, I think, a little bit safer for teams to send players, to make sure that injuries don't occur, and to allow as many players to be able to play as possible. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see how baseball evolves this, especially after this year seeing the level of uh, buzz that it can generate. So it's an exciting moment. I think you can read more about this announcement and possible future changes in uh, author Hannah Kaiser's article that she wrote for Yahoo Sports, which I will include, of course, in the companion article. And for our second story, the MLB has agreed to stream all minor league games for free using uh, Bally's Casinos app. So Yeah, the MLB struck a deal with Bally's. If you're not familiar with Bally's in the Southeast, very popular regional sports network uh, here in Florida where I am. That's the broadcasting network for all of Florida's teams. Uh, They have agreed to stream all minor league games for Major League Baseball 
in their app, their Bally's Live app, which is where that you can also access casino games as well. So the deal is a really a major coup for Bally because they've been aggressively trying to avoid bankruptcy and they've been trying to get streaming sports rights to something they feel that people will tune into for months. So they went to the MLB. They said, look, we can help you grow your base, get a larger audience for your minor league efforts. So Bally's is very popular down here. It's, it's streamed in more than 100 million homes. Um, and so they're going to offer MLB games for free just by downloading the app, and you'll be able to watch games on a live and on-demand basis. So you'll be able to watch home and away broadcasts for your favorite minor league team. It's a multi-year deal. It's reportedly worth tens of millions of dollars. So it's great for Bally's. I think it's good for... The MLB as well. I'm not so sure about the platform that they chose, but certainly the ability to keep up with teams uh, more easily, I think, is a big boon. So this is really the latest in a series of moves that the MLB is trying to do to expand its reach, grow the game of baseball. We've seen them launching a number of new streaming services, including the expansion of MLB TV. We've seen the At Bat app get more um, intuitive. We've seen more original series being launched through MLB Network. So all of these are trying to just drive more interest in the game, to make it more exciting, to make it appeal to younger fans, to try and set it up for continued future growth. This is one step in that direction. So if you'd like to read more about this deal and how you can access this app, check out those details in Josh Kosman's article in the New York Post. Well, folks, that's all for this edition of This Week in Baseball History. Please make sure to check back next week for more memorable moments and current news and updates from around the league. I'll see you then.